Welcome to the Theo 101 Pop Culture Podcast. Wait, Pop Culture Smackdown. <laughs> Today we're talking about poetry, not just any poetry, a specific kind of poetry. Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Is it rated R or rated A for allegory? This is a good one. Rated R or rated A allegory? Oh, I allegory. love the title. I'm so proud of the title. You wrote it, and I came you're so up with it in a moment it. of 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 inspiration. Yep. That yep. cannot be ever duplicated. Thank you, thank you, everyone. Students, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, this is a, a a stunning book of poetry. It's actually short too, so if you don't mm-hmm. have a long attention span for poetry like me, you can read it really mm-hmm. quickly. Where is it in the Bible? I'm trying to find it. Song of Songs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs. Song of Songs. Song. Song of Songs. Sometimes also called Song, Song of, of Solomon. Solomon. Sometimes also called Songs for short. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful um, little book. Mm-hmm. It has gorgeous poetry. Mm-hmm. And we are here to argue about, well, is this about sex or not? Is, human sex or not? Is this about human sex rated R? <laughs> or is it about, is it rated R, human sex? Or is it rated A? Is this an allegorical or symbolic representation mm-hmm. of God's relationship to God's people? And we have a pop culture artifact to start our, our discussion. How pop it really oh, is. Oh, man. Is question, yeah. Perhaps, it's but. a book called Sexperiment, Seven Days to Lasting Intimacy <laughs> with Your spouse and it's based on there was a megachurch pastor who did a i think he called it a bed in where he and his wife were on the top of um, their church building in a bed to talk about married sex and i think both of us are feeling uncomfortable and students if you really don't want to think about your parents having sex which i think is all of us definitely don't look at that book (laughs) don't look at it don't look at it will make you blush what is a megachurch what is a megachurch megachurch is a the definition of a megachurch, textbook-wise, is a church of 2,000 people or more. Oh. And so that just means like any like mega anything, just really quite large. So churches that are like big, they typically have a lot of money. They mm-hmm. typically yeah. have like, you know, a lot of people. And this megachurch pastor was wrote a book and did this like public kind of stunt probably to promote his book. Yes. Which draws very heavily from the book. Both Song of pastors. Songs. Yeah. The, wi- both the, pastors. the husband and wife. Oh, they're both right. pastors. And they, they draw heavily on Song of Songs. So there's just a lot of references to this book. Now they may think it's rated A and rated R, but it, but a display like that and a book like that makes it sound like the primary purpose of the book is really... Is a little rated R. Rated R. This is about like... Um, and, and you know, Like a how-to manual. A how-to manual. And you see... <laughs> You've seen, and you've seen churches. I think lean into this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Like okay, basically the church in not talking about sex, the church has outsourced all of its talk about sex to popular culture, to movies, to things like that. So and the Bible has advice for us. Where it's where it's treated with not with biblical values or with the morality system of the Christian church, and so some Christians, for you know more or less um, 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 pure reasons, have tried to reclaim this language, mm-hmm. whether you see it as a stunt or or something that's really a good idea or not, in order to engage their membership around things like, hey, this is truly important to God. If this is important to God, it should be important to us in the church. We shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about it. Let's do this. Right, right. <laughs> the husband and wife said on the church building? What? Yeah, it's, well, they stay fully clothed. I mean, spoiler alert. Oh. Um, but they, I mean, they not, thought, uh, I think that it was sort of like I'm not a- disappointed. I'm just... <laughs> The whole thing is just kind yeah. of a little... Uh, 
Well, yeah, I, it got your attention. It, it, it was attention it's getting, true. and that's kind of a tradition in American religion is to like get people's Catch attention. Your attention. Yep. Yeah, Catch I mean, I you know the church that I grew up in was founded by a woman who like did all kinds of stunts, like had a motorcycle on stage and stuff like that. <laughs> and so this is sort of like in that line, but it's a little shocking. What do you I think? Okay, the person you're talking about, the, this is the person of whom you're, you, you are a preeminent scholar, Amy Semple McPherson, oh, who founded yes, the Foursquare Denomination. Love sister. What do you think she would have thought about a stunt like this? Oh, she would have totally done it, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, she was really into, well, for reasons that we'll get into, I think, later mm. in this pop culture podcast, SmackDown. But she was very fond of kind of like edgy displays and then she would do what a little bit of a bait and switch so Mm -hmm. i think she would have done it differently than this book i don't think she would have offered like married sex advice Mm -hmm. like this book does Mm -hmm. i think she would have gone the the allegorical route i see yeah yeah well it's time i mean it's just like let's just get straight to it oh yeah set the stage here so the pro is arguing or the okay so it's not so much a pro and a con this time it's it's somebody arguing rated r and somebody arguing rated Rated A. a Hopefully, it'll give us occasion to talk about what allegorical readings are, but that yes. can all be in the aftermath. Um, well, I wonder though if maybe maybe we should say a quick word before we go, just so we can get just so the students know like what's at stake here. What is an allegorical reading exactly? What and what is it opposed to? Maybe we could go that route for a couple, just a couple seconds. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, because the students need to know understand the term. So, is yeah. this beautiful book of poetry? Um, depicting like sexual intimacy between two partners human partners human partners or is it using the act of human sex to talk about a broader relationship between the church as the bride and the person of god as the bridegroom so right. is it using sex as a way to talk about intimacy between believers and god right so uh, w- one way to think about allegory is like to draw you could draw it out on like a chart like draw a chart if you got paper in front of you just get out a sheet of paper or imagine mm-hmm. it in your mind draw a house on the ground and then above that house like in the sky above the house draw another house like floating in the sky so allegory works like this on earth there are certain realities it may mm-hmm. be a house it may be a temple it may be an institution but those earthly realities are not in and of themselves the final reality. Nope. There is a heavenly reality above it, like a heavenly temple, like heaven where God is. And so that earthly things actually represent heavenly things. Yeah. So, is there a universal truth to be found, a spiritual truth to be found? Right. A spiritual reading. And so for those of you philosophy fans who are like into Plato, for example, maybe you even did, you know, some a class on philosophy or the history of ideas, even in high school, and you remember Plato, this is like Plato 101 for dummies like me, but like Plato had this idea like that the earth, there were things on earth, but there were things in heaven, like a copy and that things on, I'm sorry, that things on earth were a copy of heavenly realities. So it's a similar kind Mm -hmm. of system to that. So if you want to understand the heavenly reality, you might want to use this earthly, these, these imperfect Mm -hmm. earthly forms. But by looking at the imperfect earthly forms, you can kind of like imagine that there's something actually higher and you could almost climb it like a ladder up to heaven and see something more. So allegory could be used for a very strict sense. Like there's a, a a temple on earth corresponds to a heavenly reality. Or I think people use the word allegory too much more loosely to just mean any kind of symbolic or spiritual reading, which goes beyond what we might call the literal. And we should clarify what the word literal means too. Um, it's a word that we throw. I, I use the word literal all the time, like really casually, like, dude, I literally died in there, you know, and stuff like that. But that's that's obviously a very casual way to use the word literal. Typically, 
in our language, people use the word literal to mean something that is, quote, actually the case or corresponds to reality in a very strict way. Like, in other words, not symbolic or allegorical. So um, a literal reading of the Song of Songs would not mean that you would have to read it and think that the two people doing these acts were two real human people with names in history. It's not a historical reading. I think historical readings are literal readings, but not all literal readings are historical readings, if that makes sense. So... Literal just means by the letters, the word letter and literal, as you hear how they kind of sound the same. So a literal reading would be reading something not with any special spiritual sense or higher heavenly meaning, just like reading it for its, it, according to its letters in a very strict kind of sense of the plot. So students, just to be clear, when we are reading Song of Songs slash Song of Solomon slash Songs, both Dr. Doak and I will take the position, yes, this is talking about sex, but is that all that it's talking about? Right. Or if you had to, and we could both probably say reasonably that we think that the book could be read either way or that it's both at the same time. It's always popular to, if you want to evade an argument, you could always say say both. both. It's both. But we want to argue here, which one is it really, what's its primary identity? Is it? Why is it in the canon? Why is it in the canon? What's its primary identity? Is it because of its celebration of human love? Rated R, we're calling it. Or is it because of a celebration of divine love, the spiritual reality, rated A? I think we gave this a much longer intro than we usually so. do so. because we're both a little bit nervous about we're it. We're a little nervous, yep. but you know what? We we're go, going there, We go though. boldly into this book, a book yep. you should totally read. Um, go big or go home. Go big or go home. Song of Songs. Um, do you want to do the, the coin flip? Yep. Yep. Okay. You call it. Um, 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 heads. Oh, it's heads. Yay. You get to pick. Okay. Okay. Choose wisely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick rated R. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Does that mean I have to go first if it's rated R? Because is that like, because neither of these are really the pro or the con. I'm fine going first, by the way. But Either way is fine with me. You go for it. You go All for right, it. fine. I'll go for it. Okay. Uh, okay. Tell me when to go. And go. Three okay. minutes. Okay. Argument number one. Argument number two and argument number three, OMG, just read the book. <laughs> just read it. Read the Song of Songs. Okay. And here's what you have to do when you read the Song of Songs. If you want to get, if you want to get, it's true, real, gritty, beautiful, holy, divine sense of human married love. You have to, you have to think, you have to think symbolically, but not in the sense that Dr. Payne will try futilely to argue <laughs> that it's allegorical. But, you know, sometimes when people talk about sex, they talk about it using euphemisms and using, you know, slightly different terms for things or using symbols. And, you know, a a secular person might say, oh, you have to think dirty, so so to speak. But I'm not going to use a phrase like that because there's nothing dirty about this at all, friends. (laughs) This is the human body. This is the man and the woman together. And this is in scripture. and, And by the fact that this this marital love and the physicality of it, by the fact that it's in the canon, by the fact that it is in scripture, we know that this is something that God meant for us to read. And I think it's at least reasonable to read it just first in a literal sense. What do the words on the page tell us? The God, you know, the male speaker is celebrating the woman's body, every part of her body in explicit terms. In chapter seven, for example, I'm just like gazing here. Am I, <laughs> There's a lot of gazing. That my God, gazing book. that goes on. I'm gazing at the words here. I'm also reading a section. I, I, I just don't even know if I can read this. It's stuff that kind of... Are you going to blush, Dr. Doak? I'm going to blush. I can't read it. <laughs> chapter five, there's like a dream that she's having. 
I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. And then what follows in the next three or four verses, if you think of it with just like a little bit of a sexual frame of mind, you are going to blush, my friends. (laughs) You can't even read it. You can't even read it. And I'm not going to read it. Okay. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm too old fashioned. But look, here's the thing. The fact that this book is in the canon, the fact that this book celebrates the sexual identity of Solomon, who's known as this extravagant lover. Now, granted, in the book of Kings, it's a little weird because in 1 Kings 11, Solomon is marrying all of these women who actually lead him astray, lead him away from the worship of God. And so there's something odd there. Maybe we don't even have to see the, histor- the historical Solomon as the author, but he's kind of like the figure. He's kind of like he's kind of like the Casanova. He's the figure that stands for what is the loving male, the the king, you know, and you got to think of it like that, like a fairy tale, like a king and a like a king and a queen, like a princess and a prince. So I think just reading the book is enough. Thirty seconds, thirty seconds. You, you know, God is really not mentioned in the book. If if an author wanted it to be allegorical, there are ways you could do that. You could make the imagery. Yes, we know that God loves us. Ancient Israelites thought that God loved them, but that imagery isn't usually romantic. I would say in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. Um, love is covenant language. It's about fidelity and faithfulness of a different kind. And I'm going to say reading this allegorical allegorically is something that you would do if you were afraid to take the book at its face value, which, oh. is, which is that God is celebrating <laughs> physical carnal love between it's over. husband and wife. It's over. Dr. Okay. Joke All right. had his chance. That was my, that was my argument. And now... <laughs> It's time for Dr. Payne to jump in. Tell me when to start. You are arguing that this book is rated A for allegory. Allegory. On your mark. Allegory. Get set. Go. Students, this book is a beautiful part of an overarching message in the scriptures that is touched on here in Song of Solomon, but it actually comes to fruition in the book of Revelation that talks about the the final destination of humanity um, in terms of their re- relationship to God as a wedding feast. One of the best and most beautiful metaphors that the scripture uses to talk about the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is that the church is the bride and the um, person of Jesus is the bridegroom. So the Bible itself is talking about a wedding and what happens on the night of a wedding? Well, the act of love, as it has been said, <laughs> which is sex. As some have put it. As some have put it. Some have put it. My mom, when she was talking to me about it in very uncomfortable terms. Mm. So um, I want to take you to Song of Solomon, the, um, chapter two, this beautiful section where it talks about, I'm a, a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys, as a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. There's this beautiful long section um, about this person being faint with love. And um, it says, this is the, the bride to the bridegroom. He brought me to the banqueting house. His intention toward me was love. This idea of the banqueting house, this big feast, is one of the major allegories that that the church and the scriptures use to talk about this relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. It's been used and interpreted, or Christians throughout time have interpreted that it that way. This idea that we want to make something literal that centuries of Christians have used as allegory is a mistake. And it is due to our overemphasis on the earthly nature of things like, and also our attempt to kind of sexualize things like psychology and Freud give us this idea that everything's about sex. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's about, maybe sex is to use the platonic language that you talked about, Dr. Doak. Maybe that is a way of 
Like it's the closest thing we can get to this divine union between Jesus and the church. So sex is like a shadow. 30 seconds. Of what we will experience in like that that relationship that we will experience in a divine way in the future. So my message to you students is sex is, is um, just a um, an, an earthly version of this heavenly reality that we will experience. People like Teresa of Avila and yes, Amy Sample McPherson talked about this idea of Jesus as the Rose of Sharon and the church as the lilies. Lily of the Valleys. Did he, did he, did he, allegory, friends. Did he, allegory. Okay, okay, five, okay. But why can't it just be what it is, though? Like, why does it have to be transformed into something beyond what it is? Uh, you know, sex is enough. Like, it doesn't have to be some other greater thing. Well, okay, I think you made a, a, a strong point when you talked about, like, the beauty of human love and relationships and that mm. the Bible does seem to be interested mm. in like the very physical world. Mm -hmm. Like the Bible includes all sorts of gritty details about people like fingernails growing long and, you know, right, like, right. so weird stuff, yeah. Bodies. Yeah. So I think that you made a really good point with that. I don't. Yeah. The wedding, the wedding metaphor the point that you made, I, I can't dispute it. It's actually true. And it's actually an amazing metaphor. The idea I that the church it. is the bride of Christ. I used to, when I was in like a college age, like, kind of like group like a bible study kind of thing when i yeah. first came to faith as a freshman in college in a serious way the uh, the leader of that group this old bearded mystical guy he was <laughs> like you know sometimes i just like to think of myself like the, the bride of christ i just imagine myself wearing a wedding dress oh and it was very sweet like he wasn't saying it like oh cross-dressing and stuff like that. i mean he was just saying it like he was saying it like we are the bride and so it actually is a challenge to gender norms in the way that we think like oh man church you need to be hyper masculine men's group he's like no we're wearing a wedding dress and we're going to meet jesus well you know i'm in camp that guy whatever yeah. his name was i mean i think that i, doug. I actually doug was his doug name. I'm, a, I'm team doug on that um yeah i mean I think the idea, like, sometimes I think we need to ask ourselves why we tend to obsess about, well, just what you argued, which is why are we obsessed and, and a little bit afraid of sex? And mm. because the Bible seems to be not allergic to it and mm. also really seems to make that relationship, like, it talks about, like, consummation and, mm -hmm. like, like, it's pretty clear you know, but the that question, that's supposed yeah. to be the relationship. It is. The question is, is the allegorical reading, though, as I'm continuing to argue in persona yeah. here, is it a flight <laughs> from that beauty, though? <laughs> you say it's not. You're you're like, not only is it not a flight, it's the entire point of it. And I'm yeah. like, no, it's a fl it's actually you're fleeing from the language. Here's my challenge to you, though. OK, can you can you read it with your ultimate sense of allegory and still and still get that human, physical, carnal, b body, bodily, fleshly message that the book so clearly has? Or do you just like, does it get lost? Do you fly up like a balloon that just got its string cut and you lose that message at that point? You know, I actually think that's a really good point. And so I, I was making a little list as you were talking of songs that seem to go one direction with that, which is to say like, like there are a lot of songs that talk about sex in mystical terms. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking about Leonard Cohen's Alleluia, where there's just a lot of language mm -hmm. about that, which is hilarious to me that it ends up in like church youth group songs. Cause I'm like, that's what in the world? I, anyway, that's I, a whole other I, thing. Well, people are like that. That's just the secular age in which we live. People are like, yeah, hallelujah. That's, that's, it a must God, be about God. God. I'm like, Oh, read it. You know, listen to that again. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated, that's a complex song. Yeah. But, and then there's the, um, there's a Bruno Mars song. Mm -hmm. that 
like there's just a link a line that he says again your sex takes me to paradise blah blah yeah. blah and he talks about feeling locked out of heaven so they like there's yeah. this idea that set like human sex has some sort of transcendent mm -hmm. like it is an experience of the divine right. but then there's not as much talk about that the other way around like if mm. I, if i were truly dedicated to the allegorical method like a reading why don't i think about my relationship with god more like that mm. you when, know when you were talking about the songs i was also reminded of the way that especially in a particular era of one's life as a christian maybe as a teenager young 20 something yeah the way that like some worship songs it's like is this a song in worship of god or is this like a romance song for like, oh, your boyfriend yeah. for you know? sure like, i just love you you know or, yeah. i don't know like whatever it is right yeah it's there's like, always some well actually the one that to me i love it because it sounds like ancient kind of mystical readings is mm. how he loves he loves us so well. and there's like yeah. okay there are two versions of it there's like the the mystical pentecostal version where it talks about where heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss and my heart turns violently inside. like a like sloppy wet kiss that's very, in the lyrics of the song yeah but then so that's the original I feel charismatic so, I feel so version weird singing that. oh no i loved it i love singing that. Like that but you know i'm team allegory here <laughs> but um then the the kind of the baptist baptistified version of it yeah. that was done by like the passion music group said heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss like, like an unforeseen yeah, kiss they needed to make it really chaste and i'm Although, like oh, no 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 the bible's chaste, not chaste about how that. chaste is an unforeseen kiss though? yeah that actually little, issues kind of, of a, consent there's a little, there's a little creepiness <laughs> it's there cre like, creeper version. like hey hey friends out there what are you looking for romantic today uh, romantically today an unforeseen kiss yeah, if you had to <laughs> like, choose you choose mean? sloppy <laughs> yeah for sure but yeah that is it is weird but i thought it was interesting that they wanted to make it less bodily right well the you sloppy know? well maybe though the, the idea of a sloppy kiss to me that also sounds like something your dog would do like <laughs> true like hey come here for a big sloppy kiss or how about an unforeseen kiss yeah there's something yeah. very strange about that i think the fact that that it's just like these sort of worship songs that use um sexual language or mm. language that can easily be transferred mm -hmm. to like a sexual mm. situation between two human beings mm -hmm. um I think that there's a reason why they're both so popular and also why they make people feel uncomfortable. Mm. Oh, maybe they're okay. We, okay. We've, we've gone on long enough about yeah. this. Yeah. Very quickly. Let's end. <laughs> What's your real view? Well, I, I hope that I convinced you all that I actually love the allegorical mystical reading, but I think that I, I think it, it I know this is going to sound like I'm just not really taking a position, but I think you lose something if you go full allegory because it's an awesome beautiful poetry so you're taking yeah. the you're, you're taking the rated r you're saying both but rated r more so N no. no actually if i had to choose i'd probably go a little more but i well here's the thing the rated r reading that the pop culture artifact that we talked about yes. was like now here's some advice based on it. Uh -huh. I think that's kind of a denigration of the poem. Like the idea that you're going to read this poem and then you're going to get right. you're going to get seven helpful steps. I'm like, I don't know that it's trying well, to give marriage advice. No, it's a, it's a kind of a sad Christian version of like, well, the secular world might go to X and Y and Z sources to find their yeah. you know advice, but we've got our own. It's I'm the against song that. Of Solomon. It's I'm like, like, just read the poetry. It's beautiful. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's I think it's I think it's rated R. Like I argued. But I think it I think it lends itself very well. I think it lends itself very well asterisk to the allegorical. I think it's so bodily and so gritty. May, I, maybe you're right though. Maybe you're onto something when you say that feeling of discomfort when those categories get mixed. Maybe that's 
you know, my own like fear as a human before God of that kind of intimacy that God actually desires and that I'm afraid of actually. So I'm like, no, 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 just keep it in the human realm because I don't want God, you know, like thinking about me in any of these ways because it just seems weird. Well, there's a beautiful um, Teresa of Avila who students will will talk about later on next semester mm-hmm. um, was a, a Christian mystic. And she writes this language that sounds a lot like Song of Solomon songs Mm -hmm. and she's talking about she's celibate she's talking about a relationship with god and it if you read it especially if you like read it out loud you'll feel a little uncomfortable i've read some of this it's um it's steamy it's steamy it's uh it's 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 a lot and i think that there's some beauty there like there is some sort some part of like the human sexual experience reflects Mm -hmm. like a the kind of ecstasy that God, at least mm-hmm. in the scriptures, seems to be talking about. And I don't want to lose that. No. Even I, though I do feel a little uncomfortable. I think there is a sense. I think I think this debate though takes us to the heart of something that's really important about faith and spirituality. And if and if you're if you're coming to all this from outside of faith or you might knowing be about so any religion, weirded out right now. But here's something I think that's relatable to anybody. Sometimes just like in life, there are things that are just hard to put it's hard to words. put to words. Yeah. And love is like that. Um physical romance can be like that that's why it's physical because it's like well there's just nothing to say at this point it's like it's something that you do and i think that um faith is like that to me at least like i can't always come up with some really clever way to talk about it sometimes it's just like some deeper kind of desire and um maybe just sex is one of our best ways of talking about that which is why the song of solomon can take pride of place for christian readers as a book that that is about god fundamentally yeah, I mean, I think like I, I will say that there's a beautiful version of this um, a section of Song of Songs, and they one of my favorite passages is it says, "Set me as a seal upon your heart, a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death." Mm-hmm. And I think that whether you're talking about a human relationship or a, an allegorical relationship between God and humanity, mm-hmm. there's just like enduring beauty there. So read it for yourselves, students, and then you tell us what you think. <laughs>